Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the fifth Sunday in Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, constantly accomplish the Paschal mystery within us, that those you are pleased to make new in holy baptism may, under your protective care, bear much fruit and come to the joys of life eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and Barnabas went back through Lystra and Iconium to Antioch. They put fresh heart into the disciples, encouraging them to persevere in the faith. We all have to experience many hardships, they said, before we enter the kingdom of God. In each of these churches, they appointed elders, and with prayer and fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had come to believe. They passed through Pisidia and reached Pamphylia. Then, after proclaiming the word at Perga, they went down to Atalia and from there sailed for Antioch, where they had originally been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On their arrival, they assembled the church and gave an account of all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the pagans. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is kind and full of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love. How good is the Lord to all, compassionate to all his creatures. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. All your creatures shall thank you, O Lord, and your friends shall repeat their blessing. They shall speak of the glory of your reign and declare your might, O God, to make known to men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your reign. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Yours is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule lasts from age to age. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. A reading from the book of the Apocalypse. I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared now, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down from God of heaven, as beautiful as a bride all dressed for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice call from the throne, You see this city? Here God lives among men. He will make his home among them. They shall be his people, and he will be their God. His name is God with them. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, and no more mourning or sadness. The world of the past has gone. Then the one sitting on the throne spoke. 
Now I am making the whole of creation new. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When Judas had gone, Jesus said, Now has the Son of Man been glorified, and in him God has been glorified. If God has been glorified in him, God will in turn glorify him in himself, and will glorify him very soon. My little children, I shall not be with you much longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also must love one another. By this love you have for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gospel today takes us a few steps back in time. In the Easter season, you know, we've been hearing about the encounters that the disciples and the apostles had with the risen Jesus. But in this Gospel, we're brought back to the moment of Christ's passion. We go back to the upper room, back to the Last Supper. And we hear of the moment when Judas leaves the room in order to betray Christ. And our Lord starts to speak. He says, Now has the Son of Man been glorified, and in him God has been glorified. And if God has been glorified in him, God will in turn glorify him in himself and will glorify him very soon. It's a bit confusing. But Jesus starts speaking about his upcoming suffering and death in the past tense, as if it's already happened. He hasn't undergone the passion yet, but he's anticipating it already. Now has the Son of Man been glorified. It's as if when Judas leaves the upper room to go to betray Jesus, that the die is cast. The outcome is assured. But what's interesting is that Jesus is describing his upcoming death as glory. When we look at the surface of his passion, it appears incredibly inglorious, humiliating, in fact. He's mocked for being the king of the Jews. They place a scarlet robe on his scourged back and a crown of thorns on his head. They put a reed in his hand, as if it were a scepter, and they kneel down and feign homage. And before being nailed to the cross, Jesus is again humiliated by being stripped of his garments. And he hangs, exposed to the objectifying and dehumanizing gaze of those who shout insults and derision at him. This is Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. 
Everything about this terrible situation speaks about indignity and humiliation. And yet here is Jesus telling us that he is about to glorify the Father and in turn be glorified by him. The Lord is urging us to go beyond the face value of what's happening in the Passion. Now has the Son of Man been glorified. And in him, God has been glorified. He's revealing to the apostles the supreme meaning of his suffering and death. It's not something senseless. His death is not something that simply happens to him. Jesus isn't just a victim at the hands of the Romans. Jesus won't just have things done to him. He himself will be active. He will accomplish something. He will glorify the Father. And the Father, in turn, will glorify him. So in the midst of these tremendous affronts to Jesus' dignity, despite the shame that his enemies rain down upon him, where's this glory that Jesus speaks of? Well, clearly... It isn't a worldly sense of glory. There's no pomp, no ceremony at the cross. There's no admiration or adoration. There's none of that. But when the scriptures use the word glory, what's being described is a manifestation of God. Glory is the splendor of God as it appears to human eyes. Take the transfiguration, for example. Jesus takes Peter, James and John up Mount Tabor and there his clothes become dazzlingly white and his face shines like the sun and a voice comes from heaven. This is my son, the beloved. My favour rests on him. We see in this a moment of glory because Jesus is manifested. He is revealed to be the Son of the Father. He is shown to be God. And because God is made manifest, we see his glory. It shines out like light. Glory is what accompanies the revelation of God. When divinity is on display, we see his glory. Now, I suppose it's easy to see this glory in the case of the transfiguration because Jesus is revealed as the Son of God in all his brilliant magnificence. It's easy to see who God is when we look at Christ transfigured. But when Jesus tells his apostles at the Last Supper that he's about to be glorified in his suffering and death, he's signalling to them to look for the presence of God. Look for his glory because God is going to be on display. Divinity will be made manifest. No, not with brilliant white light. But you will see God's essence. You will see his glory. How? Well, on the cross, Jesus shows us God's essence. He is love. Seeing God's essence, we see his glory. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not die but have everlasting life. 
This revelation happens without the angel hosts and the trumpet blast of Christ's birth. This revelation happens without the brilliant light of the transfiguration. But God's true nature is now most fully on display as Jesus hangs upon the cross. It's the moment that we see with the greatest clarity that God is love. The Father loves humanity to the point of giving his most precious Son. The Son loves humanity to the point of laying down his life for his flock. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. The cross, almost because of its shame, is the great moment of the manifestation of God's glory. The torture, the insults, the derision, the humiliation, all of this serves not to diminish Christ's glory, but to show forth ever more the truth that God is love. Now has the Son of Man been glorified, and in him God has been glorified. The Son of Man has indeed been glorified, because in him we see the true nature of God the Father. He is love. Now, here's the kicker in today's gospel. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. How? Just as I have loved you, you also must love one another. The very love that we see on display in Christ's passion, a love that is capable of self-sacrifice, a love that is a gift of self, that is the love that we need to imitate. We need to imitate God who is love. And when we love one another as Christ has loved us, we too show forth the reality that God is love. We too become a revelation to the world of who God is and what he is. He is love. When we manifest the nature of God, we glorify him. And we are glorified by him. We share in God's glory by imitating his love. And so our Lord Jesus gives a new commandment. Love one another. It's not surprising, therefore, that when we imitate God in loving Christ, that people will be able to recognize in us the fact that we are similar to God. By this love you have for one another, says Jesus, everyone will know that you're my disciples. You know, our lives are full of crosses. There's no doubt painful and shameful ones. But our crosses are also our great opportunity to love as Christ loved. The more insult that is heaped upon us, the more potent does the reality of our love become. The more clearly we manifest God's nature and his glory. When we show great love as we hang upon our own crosses, the world will know that we are disciples of the one who showed us most perfectly that God is love.
Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.